Welcome to our second Habit Lab. Number two. Number two. Right Let's on. go. All right. I'm Erin Wendauer, and we've got Pastor John Jennings with us. He is incredible, so wise, so I'm so happy to have him part of You're our Habit kind. Labs. So Habit Labs are designed to help us implement the daily habits in our life and practices that we need to help us become more, more like, like Jesus, Jesus for, for the, the sake, sake of, of others. others. In the first eight Habit Labs, we are going to be diving into the principles of emotionally healthy spirituality, which at Pure Heart, we call it EHS. Mm-hmm. Um, so you've probably heard that around. Um, if Uh, You missed the first one. Be sure to go back, tune in, check it out. It's on YouTube. It's on all podcast platforms. Be sure to like, comment, share, subscribe, save it. Um, And we're going to have some more coming out. Absolutely. So in this lab, Aaron, we're actually going to be um, dealing with the first of seven pathways that we talk about moving towards emotionally healthy spirituality. And today we're reflecting on who we truly are. And if I could start the conversation this way, what we're actually doing in this reflection, reflecting on who we are, is we're moving towards putting off our old self and putting on our new self. Um, Ephesians chapter 4, I want to start with this scripture, Ephesians 4.22, and this is out of the New Living Translation, says, Since you have heard about Jesus and have learned the truth that comes from him, throw off your old sinful nature. I love that imagery of throwing it off. It's like, get it out of here. Get get rid of it, all right? So throw off your old sinful nature and your former way of life, which is corrupted by lust and deception. Instead, let the Spirit renew your thoughts and attitudes. Put on your new nature, created to be like God, truly righteous and holy. So reflecting. In EHS language, we frame it this way. Know yourself that you may know God. Now, Aaron, here's why this is important. So many people live their entire lives, and they actually sadly go to their grave, not really knowing who they truly are. And what I, what I think is even worse is that people consciously or maybe subconsciously, they live somebody else's life. Yeah. So I, I know you were, we were talking the other day— um, about this thing, you, you were sharing with me like your experience in college along these lines yeah. about living somebody else's life, or maybe frame it this way, living under the expectations of others. Yeah, or even expectations that I feel like people like pushed on you without without knowing that they did, and it's something that I took upon myself, and so I, I really struggled in this, and I think it's really common amongst young people, but also, I mean, obviously all throughout adulthood too, um, of trying to figure out who we are, you know, and even growing up in church for me, you know, I grew up knowing like I'm a child of God. I'm beautifully and wonderfully made. Psalm in his 139. Image, you know? yeah. yeah. And, but in reality, in like the emotions of young adulthood and really in those formative years of your brain and your personality, trying to figure out who I was. And so I ended up changing my major four times. Wow. <laughs> yeah. And, and I think it's because I, I thought I had these dreams. Mm. Um, and those dreams were, and I, I, I do, I did have those dreams, but I think it became those dreams were my identity. It was like what I wanted to do was who I was. And if I wasn't doing it to excellence, then that couldn't be me. Wow. And if those dreams weren't coming to life, then that's not who God wanted me to be, you know, and if I didn't see that playing out. And so I would dip my toes into something and be like, no, 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 that's not it. It's this. Try something else. Yeah. Try something else. Yeah. Wow. It, so I, I'm curious, what were your four majors? 
my I, my curiosity oh, meter is really high right now. <laughs> so I started out in education. Okay. <laughs> I wanted to do. Um, I I was trying to figure out if I want to do early early childhood education. I loved that in high school. Did an internship with that actually my senior year because I thought that's what I wanted to get into, and then I wanted to do counseling. So through that, I was like, well, they had a four plus one program. I could go overseas and teach if I wanted to. And that would have been fun. In five years, I could have gotten my master's degree. Okay. So it was a program to do that and then be a school counselor. And so I thought I wanted to do that. And then I was like, nope, education's not for me. I decided against it and I moved to psychology. And then I ended up doing like a multidisciplinary study between, um, so like a double major between business and psychology. And I thought I wanted to open up my own dance studio and do um, my own like private practice, like licensed counseling within the studio of doing like dance therapy. Mm -hmm. And then from that, I moved to um, communications and I really enjoyed public speaking, TED Talks, all of that, and just had great professors. So I changed my major to communications. Wow. Um, At that time, I knew I wanted to do ministry and I didn't necessarily want a ministry degree. Um, I grew up in ministry, so I don't know. That was like some weird facade in my mind that I came up with. Um, but God actually brought me out of that and had me change my major, um, which was a huge blessing in That's multiple awesome. different ways financially um, and moved me across the country, honestly, to do that. So ended up with ministerial leadership. Um, so that was the four. That's awesome. Yeah. Wow, what an experience. I mean, th- this whole idea of living the expectations of others, I think there's a lot of that that really rests in people searching. They really genuinely, they want to know who they are. Uh, and maybe they aspire to be something. Let, let me just share a quick story along these lines before we really dive into the bones of this. I grew up in in an environment of ministry, much like you did. My dad, I shared this last month, my dad was a pastor. He's still pastoring to this day. And so I grew up playing music in church, and I was basically doing ministry. I was playing drums in church when I was five. They decided it was a good idea to hand a five-year-old a pair of sticks. That's awesome. So, yeah, imagine that. (laughs) But it was a small church, so we could get away with a lot, and and they they put up with a lot. So I I did music, and and, but really, Aaron, all I ever wanted to do, even through high school, I just wanted to teach. That was at my heart. I wanted to get my education degree, and I wanted to teach history. So it's really interesting. But then I remembered this calling that I had when I was like 11 and felt like there was a call to ministry. And then I started feeling, because of that calling, I started feeling the pressure of outside. You know, not not as much from my parents, but even from the church. You know, it's like, oh, wow, you know, Jonathan's going to be in ministry. He's going to succeed. He's going to follow his dad, and he's going he's gonna to be a pastor and all this. And I'm like, wait a second. All, you know, all I want to do is, is teach. And so I, I, when you're that age, you're a preteen or a teenager, you don't really know what to do with all that stuff. So I just did whatever I could do to gain the approval of others. You know, if it meant yeah. singing, I would do that. If it meant playing music, I would do that. If it meant doing what my denomination wanted me to do, I would do that. It's really interesting because this went all the way through even my early adult years. Just to show you how God works, he brought everything full circle where I was able to start understanding what my calling was, which was pastoral, but I had to work through that. Yeah. But now I'm also able to teach. So that desire that was inside of me to teach is still there, but I just had to come into a fuller realization of what that was going to look like. Yeah. Does that make sense? Absolutely. 
Yeah. And I think a lot of times too, I think that was part of my struggle is I didn't see the future and I mm -hmm. wanted the control of that. And so that's, that's why so I would good. hop around, you know, because I, I had these dreams and I felt like they were God dreams. And I think I really struggled between, okay, is this my, my earthly desire? Is this something that God has birthed inside me, you know? And, um, so I think that was something I worked out, but yeah, yeah. It, it's, it's amazing. how that, one, one other thing. Okay. So I love, you know, I'm a sports guy, you know that. And one of the other things I wanted to do besides teach is I wanted to go into broadcasting. And so I would sit there as a kid watching a game or something on TV and I would mute the TV and I would do my own play by play. That's awesome. I, I would sit there and do the play by play. And so I never, never ended up pursuing that path. But then about seven years ago, I started doing public address announcing for my kids' high school, and I'm still doing that. So that's like my hobby. So God has an amazing way of bringing all those desires of your heart together, but we have to submit those things to him and let him bring those things out. And that's really where we're going to go with the rest of our, our time together. So, yeah. um, so where are we going? With the so, podcast, Aaron. Yeah, so we're really going to take a time to self-reflect and just go deeper into our own mindset, how we how we process things, what that looks like. So uh, we really need to give space to rewiring our internal patterns, learning to di differentiate our, mm -hmm. our life and what that looks like and what does that mean and uh, grow into our own person. And I think that is huge of just knowing who we are and not finding our identity and what we do around us and our career, whatever that looks like. So starting with rewiring our internal patterns, um, that's really giving ourselves permission to feel, isn't it? Absolutely. You want to unpack that a little bit? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, most of us were taught that feelings are unreliable. They're mm. not, they're not facts, you know, they can't be trusted. And, um, but in reality, God created us to feel, you know, God, yeah, he did. God himself, Jesus himself felt, and um, we are created to feel a range of emotions, anger, sadness, mm -hmm. fear, enjoyment, love, surprise, disgust, and shame. And um, it never dawned on me that God actually wanted to to speak through the emotions, right? you know? And um, so I think Christians have just been led to believe that we have to suppress and ignore those feelings, shove them under the rug. Um, because it's almost like sin, you know, it's sinful to feel those things, you know, yeah. don't air out your dirty laundry, you know, and don't, don't make it real if you talk about it. Um, and nothing could be further from the truth. Yeah, it's so, so good. And I love what you said about thinking it was sinful because, you know, obviously, obviously we have to recognize when an emotion is, is sinful and we have to submit that to Jesus. We, that goes without saying, but when we deny our pain, our losses, our feelings, and we do this year after year, we do it decade after decade, what happens, Aaron, is we end up becoming less and less human. Yeah. We become human doings instead of human beings. Wow. And so the failure to have a good, solid biblical framework for dealing with our emotions has kept a lot of people in bondage. And then it becomes difficult, if not impossible, to live out of your true self. Just a few quick scriptural things here uh, that we see God is being emotional. God, we see in Genesis 125 that God delighted in his creation. In Genesis 6, we see that God was deeply troubled over the human condition as he looked at 
the sinfulness of humanity. Uh, Exodus 20 and verse 5 talks about the jealousy of God, and that's interesting. That was in our staff devotion yesterday that Pastor Jen Lindsay brought out about jealousy being he wants that relationship with us so much, but Mm -hmm. that's an emotional thing. Isaiah 42, 14 tells us that God cries out. Jeremiah 31, 3, we see that God loves, and of course that's all throughout Scripture. Hosea 11, 8, we find that God is compassionate. Even Jesus, of course, being fully God and fully human, uh, we see that Jesus was sorrowful, troubled, and overwhelmed in the Garden of Gethsemane. He got angry. He was distressed. He was full of joy. Two-thirds of the Psalms, Aaron, they are laments, yeah. many of them written by David. And it's we see in the Psalms David really just trying to get in touch with what he was feeling, and we have an entire book in Scripture called Lamentations. Yeah. So it's fairly obvious in doing even just a casual reading of Scripture that, of course, we're created in God's image, and we reflect Him in every way, and that includes our emotions. Um, I love this quote. There's a book called Cry of the Soul by uh, Dan Allender and Temper Longman, and this quote is so powerful. It says, Ignoring our emotions is turning our back on reality. Listening to our emotions ushers us into reality, and reality is where we meet God. Emotions are the language of the soul. They are the cry that gives the heart a voice. In neglecting our emotions, we are false to ourselves and lose a wonderful opportunity to know God. We forget that change comes through brutal honesty and vulnerability before God. Wow, that's so good. I love that quote. Well, what we want to do, um, we want to do something super practical for this Habit Lab. Um, we actually want to do a self-reflection moment. So um, we want you to pause this and truly have a moment with the Lord. Maybe pull out a journal, um, pull out the notes on your phone. And I just want to ask you a couple of questions that you can process through and then truly just give yourself a moment to think through these things and pray about it. Um, so what are you angry about? Mm. You know, what's something going on right now? Um, that you feel angry about? What are you sad about? Are you anxious? Are you fearful right now or worried about something going on in your life? Maybe that's health concerns or financial concerns. What are you happy about? You know, I think a, a lot of times, especially in the younger generation right now, you know, mm-hmm. it, it, we want to feel sad. It's like cool to be sad. Um, but it's cool to be happy too. Absolutely. You know. So, what are you happy about? Um, thank the Lord right now in your journal and or um, whatever you're doing, reflecting on. Um, take a moment just to be grateful and process through those emotions that you're feeling. Absolutely. Yeah. And so, pause for for however long you need, and then we'll come right back and we'll finish out the podcast. We hope that 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 exercise was was helpful for you, that reflection moment, and that God met you Mm -hmm. there. And we would really encourage you all to build this habit into your life of reflecting, journaling, getting your your feelings, your emotions, what's going on inside of you. 
uh, get that out there before the Lord. So let's go on to our next point, Aaron, which is this idea of learning to differentiate. So the the big concept behind differentiation is is uh, rooted in actually uh, family systems theory. It goes back to the 1950s. I mean, we're going to see that it's biblical, but this this language of differentiation goes back a long ways to a, a guy named Murray Bowen who developed uh, family systems theory, and it's still actually being used today by therapists in, in uh, counseling endeavors and whatnot. So um, just by way of definition, differentiation is a person's capacity to define his or her life goals and values apart from the pressure of those around them. So it kind of goes back to what we were talking yeah. about earlier with your experience and feeling the pressure, changing your major, and then my experience growing up in yeah. in, in church life. So this is really, um, Aaron, just another way for us to reflect of knowing ourselves that we might know God. It's the ability to hold on to who we are. Mm-hmm. It's also ability to to release what we're not. So it's remaining connected to people but i'm not allowing my behaviors or my reactions to be to be shaped by them and even into my adult years if i'm being real um i had no ability to differentiate um you know i just i felt like i had to go with what the family structure around me what the the church family around me was was wanting me to do i mean they played mm-hmm. they had a great part in in playing into this and so what i found myself doing which i briefly alluded to a while ago is that i would put on whatever self i needed in order to gain acceptance and approval and in some cases even love wow. which is really a, a a messed up way of thinking yeah and it's it's a sad reality when when people do that, and, and I don't know that we always do this consciously, but if we find that okay, if I can do this, I'll gain acceptance. If I can gain do this, I'll gain approval. If I can yeah. do this, I'll feel that sense of love. Well, because that's such a value for us. We want to feel accepted. We want to feel loved. You know. So I think it happens subconsciously because that's what we want. You know, and yeah. so e- even for myself, I feel like. It's really easy for me to be a people pleaser and I'm currently trying to figure out that balance myself. You know, it's an ongoing struggle of, you know, I don't want to, I don't want to disappoint anybody. I don't want to, I want to take everybody's emotions into, you know, into my mind and process through that and make sure I'm making everybody happy around me, which in reality, it's just not possible, you know? And so, um, one thing I think is super interesting and like you said, is biblical, Jesus was a hundred percent differentiated. Totally, and we really struggle with this because we fear of disappointing people. Mm-hmm. Um, and what's interesting is Jesus did disappoint people. He absolutely did. You know, and but Jesus is perfect, and so if Jesus is perfect and he still disappointed people, you know, there's no shame in that. And so um, that's one thing that we have to kind of work through ourselves. Yeah. Um, well, and you mentioned Jesus there, and that's such a great example. I, I love what it says in John six thirty eight. For I have come down from heaven not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. So it the and this was like towards the beginning of his ministry. So he's like laser focused on, hey, I, I came to do what God told me to do. It's it's yeah. about doing His will in His way and in his timing. So 
in order to do that, like you said, he had to disappoint some people. Yeah. It was inevitable. Yeah. And I think for us to do that too, you know, Jesus was so in tune with the will of God that he wasn't afraid to do that. And so I think that's something that on our end, we have to be so in tune with the God, yeah. what God is asking us to do. And when we know that, then we don't have to be fearful of what that means, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. What are, Do you see some examples in Scripture of how Jesus disappointed people? Absolutely, I mean, what, yeah. Why don't you so, point out a few of those? In Matthew 12, 46 through 48, he disappointed his family. And he disappointed the crowds in John six fifteen. Yeah, they wanted to make him king Yeah. in that, in that instance. And he's like, uh-uh. He disappointed his disciples Yep. <laughs> in Matthew 20 and 20 through, 20 through 23. He disappointed the religious leaders. And that, I mean. Constantly. Yeah. Constantly. <laughs> that was, was over and over. disappointing them. Yeah. <laughs> but Jesus was fully anchored in who he was. Absolutely. And that, that really is the essence of this whole idea of differentiation. What I love is the example in Matthew 3, where Jesus is being baptized, and it's it's such a beautiful picture of, of the triune God. You have the, the Father speaking from heaven, the heavens open, the Son is in the water, and the Spirit is descending like a dove. And the voice from heaven says, this is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. And here's the beauty of that, Aaron. At that point, Jesus had done nothing in ministry. He had not healed one person. He had not uh, cleansed one leper. He had not performed one miracle. He had not fed a multitude. Nothing. And yet the Father confers his favor upon him just by nature of him being his son. Wow. That should free us right there from this idea of having to do and do and do and do and and give in to the pressures of those around me just in order to gain the acceptance of God. We can't do that. So it's we're accepted by God just by virtue of his love, by virtue of us being sons and being daughters of of him. And then at the end of his life, we looked at, hey, my will is to do the will of him who sent me. And then I love at the end of his life, just hours before he goes to the cross in John 17, 4, he says, Father, I have completed the work that you gave me to do. So really, it's a powerful picture of this idea of, of differentiation, of knowing who we are. Yeah. So did, did you ever have a moment in your life where that was like a, a revelation to you, where you kind of caught that, you know, I, I, I'm just loved by God? Oh, yeah. Um, after a time that I messed up really bad. <laughs> and God had to pull me out of a situation, and I had to recenter my faith, honestly. And I had to figure out who I was. It was after those college years, in between actually that fourth major. Okay. <laughs> um, so after communications, after those, that journey of trying to figure out what I wanted to do with my life, you know, who I was. Throughout all that, it was a, a journey of figuring out who I, my identity was found in. Yeah. You know, even though I knew the textbook you know, the Bible answer. I didn't. The Christian cliches. Right. Yes. I didn't fully believe it myself yet. Mm -hmm. And so it took me going through a painful experience that truly just fixed my eyes on Jesus, that he was, he had to fix that internally inside me and I had to let him do it. Yeah. And whenever I allowed that to happen in my life, um, that's truly whenever 
I was able to accept what God had called me to do mm-hmm. and um, step in faith to do it. That's so good. Thanks for sharing that yeah. that story. So last last thing on differentiation, and then we're gonna give our last point and kind of kind of wind down here. When you're talking about differentiation, knowing who we are not is just as important as knowing who we are. <laughs> yeah. John the Baptist is really a great example of this. And uh, the religious leaders came to him in John chapter 1, and, and uh, they said, who are you? you know, and, and John said this, he confessed and did not deny, but confessed, first of all, I am not the Christ. And they asked him, what are you then? Are you Elijah? He said, I am not. Are you a prophet? And he answered, no. So he was able to clear three times. He said, I am not. I'm not the Christ. I'm not Elijah. I'm not the prophet. And then he said, well, who are you? Uh, And he said, I am the voice of one crying in the wilderness. Make straight the way of the Lord. So um, even later in John chapter 3, as people are starting, Jesus has now started his ministry. People are starting to follow Jesus, and his disciples are struggling with this. They're like, well, wait a second. You know, Jesus is now is now baptizing, and I love what what John said in um, in the gospel there. John the Baptist said in John's gospel, chapter 3, verse 26, he said, a person cannot receive even one thing unless it is given to him from heaven. So we might as well just open ourselves up to the true self that God has made us to be, because we really can't receive it unless it's given to us by God. Yeah. So, um, knowing who we are not, and, and I, I had to come to grips with that. It's like, because I had people, and, and I grew up in a very small um, denomination, denominational structure, and I had people telling me all the time, John, you're going you're gonna to lead this organization one day. You're going you're gonna to be the, the top guy. And it, people were feeding me this when I was in my 20s. Wow. You know, Jesus didn't even start until he was 30, you know, so it's, it's like, <laughs> and people are feeding me this, and, you know, you're, you're going to go to the top of the organization, and in my heart of hearts, I knew, I knew, I knew, I knew that that wasn't God's path for me because of all these desires that he'd been placing inside of my heart. And so finally I had to come to grips and say, no, I am not a denominational leader. You know, I am a pastor, I am a teacher, and I'm a wannabe broadcaster. (laughs) (laughs) Well, honestly, that takes so much strength and courage to do Mm. because in reality, that could have easily built up an ego of pride and um, self-indulgence of almost that that expectation because that's, I mean, that's a really cool opportunity. Well, it did, but that's another podcast. So we'll we'll, we'll (laughs) we'll table that for (laughs) right now. But you worked through it. Now you're here. I had to work. Now I'm here. (laughs) Thanks for that. So, all right. So wind us up here, Aaron. So we talked about um, this whole idea of rewiring our patterns and things and differentiation. So growing into our true self. So yeah. what, what does that really entail? Yeah. I mean, so ultimately we have to find out our true self, finding mm. our core, who we truly are, core word. values, um, following God into a relationship that removes our false layers of self and awakens the seeds of our true identity that he's planted inside of us. Mm. So we're going to give everybody four practical truths. So John, help me work through this a little bit. Sure. First one, um, I actually would love for you to speak on this because mm. in EHS this past week, we're kind of a little bit further forward in our EHS class mm-hmm. currently, um, and we just went over silence and solitude. 
Yeah, Psalm 46.10, be still and know that I am God. Um, Exodus 14.14, you only need to be still. And that was when the Israel, or Israelites were being chased down by, by the Egyptians right there at the Red Sea, and God, they're thinking, we got to do something, and God says, be still. So I am thoroughly convinced, and we're going to do an entire podcast on this later in, in our Habit Labs. Yeah. So paying attention to silence and solitude is countercultural, but it's so vital to our lives that we start building these things into our lives because it's in those moments when we are able to get away from the noise, get away from the distractions, sit in silence that we're truly able to hear God's voice. So yeah. we have to pay attention to that if we're going to grow into our true self. Absolutely. Yeah. So after silence and solitude and paying attention to that, truly putting that into practice, we want to find trusted companions. Absolutely. Healthy friendships, relationships, and mentorships. Uh, mentors are huge, I think, especially for us young people, no matter what stage of life you are, um, especially if you consider yourself a leader. Who are you pulling up, but who's pulling you up? And um, so finding people that you can uh, find community in. Um, we have Heart Cruise launching in May. Yes, we do. So this is a cool opportunity for you to get hopped into um, healthy relationships that will truly um, be people lifting you up and coming alongside of you. Um, John, you want to continue with... The only thing I'll say on the only thing I'll say on trusted companions is that we we can't be afraid of community uh, because it's we actually grow. And I could give you a ton of historical examples of how the church has grown through community over the years, and it's it's really hard for the some of the people who are a little more introverted mm -hmm. to understand how important this is. But really, once we find those trusted companions and people that can actually spur us on, it, it's a game changer for us. So. Trusted companions are, and number three is just move out of your comfort zone. Move out of your comfort yeah. zone. Living faithfully to the life that God has asked us to live. And one of the greatest quotes that to me is in the entire EHS course is this, that the greatest gift that we can give to the world is our true self in loving union with Jesus. <laughs> the world, the world needs the real you. They need the real person that God has created you to be. Yeah. They need the gift that is you. And when we're living in loving union with Jesus and our true self comes out, game changer, not only for us, but for the people that God has placed in our lives. Yeah. I think too, I, so I'm, I'm younger, so I, mm. I feel like I can understand a, a younger generation's perspective, especially being involved in youth. But Gen Z loves the realness. You they know, do. we want the truth. I'm on the edge. I'm made it one year into Gen Z. I was really close to being a millennial, but you know, I'm Gen Zer, and uh, we want the realness. We want yeah. the truth. And so, if we're real and we give that transparency and the vulnerability, it actually allows people to do the same. You know. Yeah, that's so. And good. allows God to to work through us in ways that maybe we wouldn't be willing to do. Yeah. You know, if we were staying in our comfort zone. Yeah. So pay attention to silence and solitude. Find trusted companions. Move out of your comfort zone. And the last one is pray for courage. Yeah. So, John, do you actually want to lead us out in closing us in prayer, praying for courage for or for us, for everybody tuning in? Um, I'd love that. Yes, that. let's pray. So, God, thanks so much for uh, everyone who has taken the time to listen to this podcast, to watch it. Thank you for the work that you're doing inside of their lives. Would you allow us today to lean in at a more intentional level to really find who you truly made us to be, 
Give us the grace and the favor, God, to reflect, to rewire our patterns, to be able to differentiate and disappoint people if we have to, but find who you've truly created us to be, and then allow us, um, God, to let that true self come out. Give us the grace to do that, and we honor you today and give you the glory in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Hey, thanks so much for joining us for our second Habit Lab. Yeah. And we're going to be back soon with with our next one. So, yep. All Sounds right. Sounds good. All right. All right. Take care, everybody. <laughs>